afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continue, of course, National Ag Week that is underway. Thanks for Clay filling in for me yesterday as I was on tour around Nebraska looking at some agriculture with the governor and the Department of Ag. So appreciate him stepping in. I wish I could say there was some happiness with these markets today. A lot of negativity except for the May July corn. We saw some higher numbers on there. A big drop happened in on the soybeans, lower numbers on the livestock trade. Some interesting factors. Some feed into what we saw in the trade, some not. But it is setting the tone. And the question really is, what type of market environment are we in? So to talk about all of that and get the lowdown on what happened with the Fed's talk and decision today is Arlen Suderman. Arlen, of course, was Stonex. And I think we got to start there. Fed made a decision. Everybody kind of waiting with bated breath for their discussion today. Yeah, they really were. And it had the potential to be a very volatile afternoon after the Fed decision came out about 15 or 20 minutes before the close in the grain markets. And and the decision was basically to raise the benchmark interest rate another 25 basis points, just like it did at the previous meeting, which concluded on February 1st, and to maintain the pace of tightening the balance sheet, which is withdrawing stimulus from the system, the trillions of dollars of stimulus that are put in during the pandemic on top of the fiscal stimulus. And so it, it stayed the course there. Um, so then we go to its, its statement that it released, and I found it interesting that they removed a couple of key words from their previous statement. The previous statement from the previous meeting has said that inflation, quote-unquote, has eased. They replaced those words with inflation remains elevated. And even as uh, as Fed Chair Jerome Powell is addressing questions from the press as we talk, he is stating that we have a long ways to go before we tame inflation. There's a lot of work ahead of us to tame inflation. So that has not changed. Now, the Fed releases a dot plot graphic at some of its meetings, which it did again, on where members of the Fed, the individual voting members, expect rates to be at the end of the the current year and the next couple of years to come. And that dot plot graphic shows that the majority of Fed members expect the interest rate to be at about 5% when we get to the end of the year. And today's rate hike takes us up to 4 and 3 quarter percent. So I would say at least another 25 basis point rate hike. And then they show up to maybe a 75 basis point rate cut during 2024 at some point. Now that's a later cut than what the market has been anticipating and it's a little higher rate than what the market has currently been anticipating, but it is consistent with where they were at the December meeting when they last released that dot plot graphic. So they haven't changed their tone there. And so you summarize it all up. They stayed the course. They their wording became a little bit more assertive in in t- describing the inflation problem that we're facing in this country. They did acknowledge stresses in the banking sector and said their quote would likely re- result in tighter credit conditions for households, businesses, and the way on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. And that's kind of their objective if they're going to be able to bring wage inflation down, which is one of the core problems of inflation right now. 
so no real surprises. The market has been rather calm, so to speak, in its uh, response so far. Uh, it's been firming from where it was. The stock market has. We did see corn and soybeans break when the decision came out, um, but the other markets didn't move too much. The dollar has broken lower as Treasury yields have broken lower, um, but that's going to be something we're going to continue watching and see how the global markets react overnight. But the Fed's primary desire was to calm the markets and not create more anxiety, and it appears that thus far that is exactly what they've been able to do. So did it surprise you the markets didn't fully react like many thought they would with the announcement coming from the Fed's? No, because I think there's a lot, and I spent a lot of time thinking about this, there's a lot of talking heads, shall we say, on Wall Street that you see interviewed on all the news shows in the the business channel saying what the Fed, quote-unquote, has to do now with the banking problem. But keep in mind that those talking heads generally all have a vested interest in the Fed doing what they want it to do. And they don't really know what the Fed is going to do. And the Fed has stuck to doing what it said it's going to do in the past. And as I processed this and I processed how the market reacted to the European Central Bank last week when it raised its rate by 50 basis points, which it had previously indicated it would, at first the market went down, but then it came back up and finished the day positive because the market said, you know, they did what they said they were going to do, so maybe what they know about the banks is that the banks aren't as in big a trouble as what we thought. It instilled confidence in the market. And I think despite everything that the talking heads have been saying, when the Fed did what it said it was going to do and stayed the course, that kind of instilled some confidence in the market um, that things may not be as bad as feared. So do we see any change coming to the current market environment? I still think we're going to be um, subject to headline risk, particularly if there's another bank failure that makes the headline. Keep in mind we've had over 500 bank failures since 2009. It's just that Silicon Valley was one of the biggest we've had since 2008. So bank failures happen, but I think the market's very sensitive to that right now. And so we're going to be subject and vulnerable to that type of risk in the near term. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to hit when we come back with the second half. We'll take a look at what's been going on with the dollar. Talk a little bit more about what's going on, especially this corn market. You know, it finished on the nearbys with some positive numbers compared to what everybody else was doing. We'll also look at what's going on. You know, there were some talks between China and Russia. Does it make you nervous? We'll get all those details coming up with the second half. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome to the Fontenelle Feature. I'm Joe Gangwish, FSR with Fontenelle Hybrids. We're going to visit with Bob Wiseman. He's a Fontenelle Hybrids dealer in the Hershey, Nebraska area. So, Bob, tell us what you enjoy most about working with Fontenelle Hybrids. I would say it's the relationships that we've built with our FSRs and agronomy guys. Just the knowledge that's out there and any questions, people are readily available to answer and and help you out. And being a dealer for Fontenelle, what's been the most rewarding aspect for you? Finding the products that fit a producer's needs and watching them succeed. And what makes Fontenelle stand out among other local seed brands? I would say it's probably our large selection of quality hybrids to fit all maturities and then the abundance of varieties with and without traits to fit everybody's needs. 
For more about us, you can visit Bob Wiseman there in the Hershey area, any of our Fontenelle dealers across the state of Nebraska, or go to Fontenelle.com. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Continuing our conversation this afternoon with Arlen Suderman. Of course, Arlen with Stonex. Lots of things happening within this market trade today. Um, obviously, outside market influences, interior market influences. So how did the corn, at least on those first two contracts, stay to the positive when everything else, grain and livestock, really struggled today? Yeah, and I think to really grasp it, we have to look at the way the market is positioned in the corn market. Um, with soybeans, the market sees that as kind of a past story, an old story right now. With wheat, it's a continued bearish story, lack of of, of demand and, and supply concerns, um, oversupply in the Black Sea. So when we have a bearish cloud hanging over the market, there's nothing to go against that. Corn is starting to develop a little bit of story to go against that. And I think this is key for longer term, looking at the markets and how they may perform. For corn, we already know that Ukraine has said they'll have half of what they produce. They'll produce half this year what they produced two years ago at best because of the ongoing war. Uh, Argentina, um, based on the private estimates, is probably looking at 60% of a normal crop. Okay, so there's your number four and your number three largest corn exporters in the world with very short crops. The number two is Brazil. And with Brazil, the crop went in very late, their safrina crop, which is where they get their exportable supplies. So that doesn't mean that they're going to have a short crop. But the odds are starting to stack up against the crop, particularly in Mato Grosso do Sul and Paraná, where unless they can get through the winter without any freezes in Paraná and southern Mato Grosso do Sul, and unless they can get the rainy season to go three to four weeks longer than normal, uh, if, those, if they're able to do those things and get to, to cooperate, they could have a very big crop. But that's a tall order right now. If that doesn't happen, they could end up with a short crop. And that would just leave the United States where we're looking at now a wet spring in the central and eastern parts of the Midwest with narrow planting windows in the snowpack in the northern plains that is so deep that we may have several million acres of prevent plant in that area, reducing acres that actually get planted regardless of what USDA says next week in its planting intentions report. So the bottom line is China is buying Supplies are shrinking, and the funds are ready short, holding short positions. So why would they add to short positions in that environment? That's why we're seeing a little bit of buying at these levels. So how much anticipation are we going to see building into this report next week? I think quite a bit because it's known for its surprises. Uh, so that may mean some squaring of positions and protection uh, going into the report. Maybe some short covering in those markets where they're short. I mentioned wheat, um, soybeans. Corn, well, soybeans it still has some length, we think. We haven't had an updated CFTC report now for a while, but we're getting close to caught up. Uh, corn, we already know they're short, so we may see some short covering, um, but then be really vulnerable. The focus is on the acreage, but the biggest surprise is tend to come in the stocks report, particularly in corn, but it can come in any of them. Looking over at uh, these talks between China and Russia, should we be nervous? Yeah, we really should be. And uh, President Xi Jinping of China just completed a three-day visit to Moscow. Uh, No public discussion of the war in Ukraine, which to me says they were not in agreement 
um, on steps to take forward, at least an agreement of something that might be seen as favorable in the world community. They may have been very much in agreement as far as strategy and how to defeat Ukraine, um, but certainly China is invested now in not seeing Russia lose that war. Three things that did come out of it, though, trade volume is expected to significantly increase with agreements they signed between these two, with China now replacing Europe as the largest importer of energy from Russia, and the two countries continuing to develop a pipeline for grain movement from Russia to China. Russia is also expected to buy uh, a lot more um, consumer goods and electronics and cars and other durable goods from China. Second, the two took steps to increase the use of the Chinese yuan as a currency trade between the two of them and continuing to move in that direction. And third, China will committed to increasing investments in Russia under its Belt and Road Initiative with a likely focus on Russia's oil and gas industry, its infrastructure, and, uh, uh, and generally just of strengthening the financial ties between those two countries. And that's another way that China can support Russia in the war effort is with its Belt and Road Initiative. So curious, as we get ready to wrap this up, real quick from a livestock perspective, any nervousness for them? on this whole Fed talk today and and the lower numbers we saw? Well, overall, we're seeing weakness in the livestock sector because of this worries about recession. Cattle have the better fundamentals long-term. Hogs, we're dealing with some oversupply. We need better consumer demand. So if the Fed's action brings consumer confidence back, then we can perhaps bring this protein sector back. All right, lots of great stuff, Arlen. Best way for folks to get a hold of you. Stonex.com or over Twitter, Arlen, A-R-L-A-N-F-F-101. And that has been today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options involve a substantial risk of loss, not suitable to all investors. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell, brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.